It's difficult to follow a parish nursing uh, presentation with the invitation to be an inspiration and a challenge. But there we are. <laughs> Thanks, Dawn and Kate. It's been really good to hear. And I've learned a lot about parish nursing over uh, the few discussions that we've had and the time that we've spent together. So it's been great. And, uh, yeah, really good to hear all of that. There's so much evidence, isn't there, of the goodness of God. And just as we've heard those testimonies and the things that are being done in the name of Jesus. It's just amazing uh, to see the abundance of God still pouring out in a world that is so challenged and so uh, under pressure and so broken, and yet God is still pouring out his, his blessing. We, had a, we will do a, we've mentioned the overseas work. We'll have a video, but a few weeks ago we had an offering for, the, for digging some wells in uh, Kenya, and they managed to dig one. They've done it by hand, unbelievable. Uh, they've gone down 63 feet, by hand, can you imagine? I mean, that's, like a, that's like one of my childhood nightmares, being stuck in a 63-foot-long tunnel um, downwards. And they've hit water, and now they've come, and they were just laughing on the phone to me yesterday. So we don't know what to do. We're trying to put pulleys and things in, and we just can't stop the water coming. So they, they, we, this will, this will, we've got people coming from all over the community taking away buckets of water because we're trying to reduce it, and we, it just keeps on coming, and it keeps on coming, it keeps on coming. just reminded me of the a picture of the blessing and the abundance of God. Um, that's not what I'm talking about this morning, although I've talked about it already. But uh, we are on Jesus Masterclass, and uh, the title, the intriguing title, is Defeating Aggression with Vulnerability. So I'll just leave that there. Isaiah 53.7 says, As a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. A prelude. Uh, 500 or so years before Jesus was born, to the life and the ministry of Jesus. As a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Now, I think you'll agree with me that this Jesus Masterclass has been profoundly challenging. It was in many ways the simplest of messages. I've heard the comments about the title. Um, I like the title. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> only joking. Yeah, there's two of us. <laughs> But it sums up for me exactly what we are doing. And somebody once said, some wise person once said, it's not the bits of the Bible I don't understand that bother me, it's the bits that I do. And we've had to wrestle with bits of the Bible that are not that difficult to understand, but they are difficult to uh, assimilate, they are difficult to implement, they are difficult to live. We've looked at forgiveness, keeping short accounts, sacrificial love, really heavyweight stuff. That is as simple and as straightforward as you can imagine when you actually go through the principles, but so hard, but so powerful in implementing in our lives. And I think we need to think carefully about what it means for the church to be a prophetic community. Because being prophetic, you know, we used to, in the charismatic church, we used to uh, prophecy being about personal prophecy, about, you know, where we might go, what we might do, who we might marry, all of that sort of stuff. But, and there's, there's elements of that in being prophetic. But being prophetic is not just about sharing word of God for individuals, but it's about what we are, how we live 
in our community, how we live in our nation, how we interact and relate with each other in the world around us. Parish nursing is a prophetic movement because it demonstrates in three-dimensional reality the reality of the love of God. What Janet shared in her testimony meant that she didn't just receive a message through the letterbox or, or through text that Jesus loves you. She saw that Jesus loved her in the shape of Kate turning up with her mask and her gown. Must have been terrifying. But, uh, but, there, but you know, there, there, was, there was that three-dimensional implementation of the Word of God. And that's what the church needs to be in terms of being a prophetic community, living out the values, living out the principles that we learn in the Jesus Masterclass. Yeah, see? Get it in there. (laughs) Jesus said that the world will know we are disciples by the way we love one another. He didn't emphasize on its own the spoken word, but they will see, they will know that you love that you are my disciples because of the way you love one another. So our embrace of the teaching about forgiveness, keeping short accounts, sacrificial love, it's crucial. People will know that this is true because they see that actually here are people that demonstrate it against the grain of the world that we live in. We demonstrate something in the opposite spirit. Not just hearing things, but putting them into practice. And that will have a direct impact on the effect our message has. I can think of nothing more powerful in the world, I keep mentioning it, the world that we live in and all that's going on, all the wheels that are falling off it, to have a church community that is not perfect, but is seeking to live in the opposite spirit, to seeking to live with the opposite values of the world around. And the the easiest thing is to get into the mainstream and just go with the flow and just be what, what everybody else is around because it makes sense, it's logical, it's common sense. And we just go in that direction and we actually become no different to anybody else. But in actual fact, we are to be a community that lives in the opposite, that is actually able to take on board the words of Jesus and put them into practice. As I think it was Terry Virgo was saying, you know, we say that the common wisdom of the world is follow your heart. So the problem is the heart is deceitful above all things. So why would we follow that? Follow the word of God. Follow the words of Jesus. So hard to do, but so powerful when we do it. And our world has descended and is descending into an aggressive shouting match, constantly at war with itself. If you don't spend any time on social media, don't bother. If you do, be aware of what is going on there because you cannot have an opinion without somebody uh, going to war over, over it. And we, as the church, cannot get anywhere or see any impact simply by raising our voices louder, by joining the throng, sort of throwing things and shouting and waving placards and whatever. We're not going to get anywhere with the same spirit of aggression that the world is demonstrating. There is no value in us becoming more confrontational in a worldly sense, imagining that that is the way that we're going to win the hearts and minds of men and women. But in order to stand our ground and defeat aggression with vulnerability, we have to pay attention not to the relationship with the world around us, but we have to pay attention to our relationship with God in Christ. Because that is what will make the difference in the way that we are able to relate uh, to people and we're able to demonstrate, prophetically demonstrate, the power of the gospel. The world we live in 
It's my favourite phrase this morning, isn't it? We live here, don't we? We've got to put up with it. But it is toxic and aggressive, and it seems to be getting worse. Anybody remember Brexit? It was a bit of a political thing a few years ago. And it was just like we were tearing ourselves apart. Were people remaining, leaving, doing whatever? There was all that, and it's going on. It still goes on, doesn't it? We spent so long worrying about it. And then, as we've already heard from parish nursing, came along the pandemic and the lockdown. We thought, oh, this is great. And put my moment of national healing and unity. We're going to come together and we're going to look after each other. It didn't last long. Didn't quite work out. A difference of opinion turns into personal warfare. I was in Crystal Peaks the other day and there was a lady, a nice uh, old lady. She was in a, a mobility scooter and she was driving into Sainsbury's, and then another lady in another mobility scooter came in and cut across her. My goodness. I thought there was going to be blood on the floor. It was there's so much aggression. The war of the scooters. But the trouble is, it's easy to point, you know, to see examples like that and say, oh, that's why I saw in Crystal Peaks. Ha, 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 isn't the world a terrible place? But we can all get drawn into it. I can get drawn into it. I love winning an argument. That's, it's God's will for my life. <laughs> to win every argument that I get into. I like my opinion to be held, heard loudest and longest because that is the anointing that God has placed upon me. <laughs> if Erica was here, she'd be shaking her head saying, no, he's only joking. Don't take him seriously. <laughs> well, I'm not joking. <laughs> We, get, we, we make a virtue out of it. I mean, it just seems, seems, seems right. And I think back to some situations when I was young and hot-headed, you know, and you think of some conversations, you think, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did we get into that? Because you don't actually get anywhere with it. And if we don't even stop to consider the heart, nature, and teaching of Jesus, we easily think it's the way to progress. The thing with God's word is he is always a still, small voice. And the loud voices are the ones that draw us into disaster. They draw us into sin. They draw us into conflict. They draw us into aggression. And yet the still small voice of Jesus comes and we, we think, oh no, what's that? You know, I can hear something, but it's, it's just blah, blah, blah. But in actual fact, the still small voice of God is so important for us to hear. This is not a personal ethics masterclass or a be kind masterclass. It's a Jesus masterclass. <laughs> And our ability to understand and live this out is rooted in our relationship with Jesus. Otherwise, we can't do it. You cannot be kind. That's why that hashtag be kind thing doesn't work. Because what it means is be kind to people who agree with you. Be kind to people you like. Be kind to people who think the same way as you do. Be kind to people who follow the same people on Twitter. That, 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 that's it. That's the foundation of it. And if, if something cuts across that you don't like, think, those people need to be banned. Be kind doesn't work, but a, an approach to life that is rooted in our relationship with Jesus does. Let's see what Jesus said. Buckle up and get ready for this. <laughs> Matthew 5, verse 40. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Basically, he's saying if somebody wants to rob you, let them. Matthew 5.44, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Easy to love people who are not our enemies, people that we hang around with. I remember some, one of the first sermons I ever heard. Somebody said, you know, 
For football hooligans, that was the thing in the day. That's how long ago it was when I got, became a Christian. It's easy. They hang, you know, hang out with people like us. But love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So difficult. Somebody persecutes you, what do you want to do? You want to fight back, don't you? You want to get even. You want to make a point. Matthew 5.39, But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Is he serious? The red letter words of Jesus. But that is the transforming power of a relationship with Jesus. And that goes to the heart of what it means for us to be a prophetic community, people that follow after Jesus, that take seriously his words. And yet, we fall at those hurdles because who can do that? Anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. The only thing that can connect us to this lifestyle or this expression of faith and love is a living relationship with Jesus. Otherwise, there's nothing natural, desirable, or beneficial about that kind of response. It just doesn't make sense. It's not human. It's not common sense. We want to get even. We want to get back. And yet Jesus gives us something else. The still small voice nags away in our spirit to say, actually, there's another way. Matthew 26, verse 50 to 54. The clock stopped. Oh, no, it's not. Good, just can't see it. Can't see the hands. Matthew 26, verse 50 to 54. When Judas brought the officers to Jesus in the garden, Jesus said, do what you came for, friend. What a way to address somebody who's just betraying you to death. Do what you came for, friend. I might do it like sort of passive-aggressive. All right, friend. <laughs> but I think Jesus meant it. Do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Come on! might think it was a natural, reasonable, proportionate response in the circumstances. The right thing to do. What did Jesus say? Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But I'm not going to do that because how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? This is Jesus. This is who we follow. All of us will have been in situations, confrontational situations, situations where we've been hurt, perhaps where we've been betrayed. What was our response? This is Jesus who calls us to follow him. If we want to see God's power in our time, with one of our values, transforming communities. How do we transform communities? Not just with, with projects, but we transform communities from the inside out with the heart response to relationship. A transformed community is one that relates differently. That even when people don't relate in the, in the way that we would want, we still relentlessly pursue the purposes of God in the relationships that we seek to build. And Acts 6 verse 7 tells us that in the early days of the church, the word of God spread and a great number of priests became obedient to the faith. That's the result of Jesus' strategy. The servant of the high priest came to arrest Jesus, had his ear lopped off with a sword. In another version, it said how Jesus healed it. 
But later, a great number of priests became obedient to the faith. The very people that wanted to crucify Jesus, the very people that Jesus could have unleashed his angels upon and had them destroyed by fire, are the ones that became obedient to the faith because he chose the way of obedience. So what is it that defeats all aggression against us? It's the sure knowledge that God has totally and eternally committed himself to you and to me. Jonathan has read this passage already, so we take it as from God. Romans 8, verse 31 to 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing in your life or that comes against your life that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. There is no, that's the word today. That, there is nothing that separates us. Nothing at all. And so therefore, why do we fight? There is nothing to fight for. The foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Confidence in God's committed love for you drives out all fear. Perfect love drives out all fear, says in 1 John. And so... When we fight back, when we get our swords out and we cut off ears in order to prove that we are, we are right in an argument, what, what is that achieving? That is, that's trying to show that actually I'm stronger than you. I'm more powerful than you. I can come back at you. I've got a better argument than you. I, I'm a better person than you. Why do we need to do that? Because the love of God has been expressed so completely and so eternally and so there is nothing. No, no, no betrayal can take me away from the love of God. No, as we read about people, as uh, Andy's brought up, you know, examples of Richard Wormbrand and Corrie Ten Boom, you know, people, as, as we're imprisoned, no one can actually take us away from the love of God. And it brings a peace and a freedom and a deliverance into our heart that we can stand confident and undefended in front of any aggressor. We can stand confident and undefended in front of any injustice or any misunderstanding or any breakdown in relationship or any betrayal or anything that troubles us. We can stand confident and undefended because I know that whatever, whether you understand me or whether you don't, whether you've, whether you've got me wrong or whether you haven't, whether you've been unfair to me or whatever, whether you're, whether you're right and I'm wrong or I'm wrong and you're right, it doesn't even matter because God has eternally and completely committed himself to me nothing will ever change that and so I can let it all go let it go I won't do the song you can do it that would have been a great video wouldn't it? I'm gonna to have to get used to doing videos and powerpoints we could have had a scene from frozen but you know we just 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 let it go 
Because God loves you. Nothing changes that. He's not going to say, oh, wow. I liked that person until I read that Twitter argument and then I've changed my mind. He loves you. Confidence means we can stand completely free before him. Nothing and nobody can threaten you when you belong to God. And so in defeating aggression with vulnerability, we're not being kind. We're throwing ourselves onto God. When somebody slaps us on one cheek, we turn to them the other. Not in some sort of, ha, 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 you can, you know, I'm going to be like Jesus or whatever. We just do it because it doesn't matter. Read the books of those that have been persecuted and tortured. You know, the, the Silas and Paul in the Bible, you know, they were, they were thrown in a dungeon and they were flogged and whipped and they were left in a dark dungeon and they just chose to worship God rather than consulting their lawyers. Probably didn't have any lawyers. And in Genesis chapter 3, fear and shame entered our hearts and took root. Fear and shame and insecurity have been there from the beginning of time. It's been the root cause of all of our problems. Everything that we talk, when we talk about our broken world, it's the root cause. It's fear and shame and insecurity that has come in through sin into our hearts. And Jesus deals with it once and for all. And that's the reason why he says, come at it in the opposite spirit. Because you don't need, there's no battle to fight. When Jesus was nailed on the cross, as we've been hearing over the last few weeks, and he came to the end of it all and he cried out with a loud voice, it is finished. It was finished. The battle was won. The battle was done. We can't say, yeah, I know it was finished, but I think I've still got, a, I've still got an argument to win. I've still got a fight to pick up. I've still got an issue to deal with. It's finished. What, amen. Whatever you, whatever's troubling your heart this morning is finished. Let it go because if somebody is striking you, whether it doesn't happen much, does it? Physical, but but we can be struck in so many ways. Struck, turn the other cheek because it doesn't matter because everything is settled. Your life is settled. Your life is complete. Your life is valued. You are loved. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. You don't have to. You don't have to. Become anything in order to win an argument. (coughs) The gift of grace that he gives us means that we never have to fight for ourselves again. You don't have to fight for yourself this morning. For your life. For your faith. You know, I'd be... My Christian life would be so much easier if it wasn't for so-and-so. Or such and such a circumstance. Or, or what happened in my life. Or what happened in my past. Or what happened. And I know. Because we have conversations. And there's all sorts of you know, things. And, and we, we live life ourselves. We know that life is horrible sometimes. And some of the things that are, that are done and said are unbearable. But that's the power of the gospel. The power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's the power that sets us free from all that. It doesn't matter. There is nothing. Nothing that can separate us from the love of God. <clears throat> we don't have to sweep those things out of the way before we can access the love of God. The love of God is ours this morning. He has totally and eternally committed himself to you and to us. That's where we stand this morning. That's why we're a prophetic community. That in the middle of Jordan, Thorpe and Batemore, there is a community of... Steve will be able to tell me the numbers. However many people, <laughs> however many people there are today, 
standing confident in the love of God and in the power of God that we are we're not hoping for the best we're not hoping that somehow through our prayers we can we can knock on heaven's door and uh, and get some attention from God he has poured himself out on us like that well it's just like being welling up you know there's there's so much that we can't do anything about it his love just overtakes us so what are you fighting for this morning what is it that is that is vexing you this morning who are you fighting against what are you fighting for because I believe as I was thinking about this I hadn't written this down but as I was thinking about it this morning as we sat there waiting to speak felt like the word of God this morning is put your sword back in its place because we've all got our swords out ready come on then all comers I'll take you down with my you know, somebody say, I refuse to have a battle of wits with an unarmed person. <laughs> Come on, fight me. Jesus says, put it back. Put your sword back. Some of you in your hearts, you've got your sword out and you, you're thinking about other stuff and you're thinking about things and things, you know, you, you forget about it for a while and then something just stirs it up and you Put your sword back because you don't need to fight. You don't need to fight for yourself because God has fought for you and he's won for you and he's completed the job for you and now you are in a position this morning sat here listening to me where nothing in all creation neither height nor depth angels nor demons life nor death can separate you from the love of God. Nothing that will ever happen. What are you afraid of in the future? Nothing that will happen to you can separate you. Behold, a, open a door before you that no one can shut. And I remember somebody speaking very powerfully about it. said, not even you. You think you can shut the doors that God has opened before you. No one can stand in the way of the blessing of God over your life. And so we can relax. That's what makes sense of the turning the other cheek philosophy. Because we don't have to fight. And imagine a world. Imagine a life. Imagine an existence where you don't have to fight. Just breathe. Because when you turn, there is God. Everywhere you go, there is God. You don't have to fight anybody or anything anymore. Put the sword back in its place. Defeating aggression with vulnerability. Amen. God bless you.